0: Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 167 and a half. My name is John Morgan. Cold coffee is just a few feet away from me, but there's a wall in between us. My man is in his room. Trying to get a little bit of sleep before we fly home. It's 5 o'clock in the damn morning here in Chicago. My man had to raise the white flag. I get it. He was grinding away all night. Getting everything uploaded. Putting in all the work in the back. Doing all that video work. And it came time to do the M.A. Roadshow. And my man, Cold Coffee, just said, I can't do it, my brother. I can't do it. And I can understand that. It has been a long, busy week here in Chicago. But I just couldn't go to sleep without talking about this card. UFC 225 turned out to be everything we thought it would be absolutely fantastic entertaining from start to finish meaningful fights from start to finish so many ranked fighters on this card fighters trying to move up fighters trying to make their name and uh, to be honest with you man I-, I thought this card started off in explosive fashion and finished in explosive fashion with Robert Whitaker taking home a split decision win over Yoel Romero a non-title fight of course Yoel Romero missed weight on Friday, 185.2 pounds, just barely over that limit, but didn't make it means it was a non-title fight. Whitaker's belt was not on the line, but that did not mean that the drama wasn't there. I thought there was so much tension in this fight, regardless of the fact that the belt was on the line. It certainly didn't feel as if Whitaker didn't have some real jeopardy laid out there for him. And both these fighters impressed, but for different reasons. Their styles are so different. Their approaches are so different. But I think both walk away from this card impressing, even with Joel Romero losing this fight. Robert Whitaker, a guy that moved up from welterweight, I certainly doubted him plenty of times along the way. I I thought he was too small for the middleweight division, but has proven me entirely wrong there. Has had incredible success, of course, rising to the rank of UFC champion and facing an absolute monster in Yoel Romero. I mean, they don't get any bigger and stronger and tougher than Yoel Romero at 185 pounds. He is a nasty dude. And this fight lived up to everything that the first fight did. Picked up right where it left off. Whitaker just continues to get better throughout his career. Striking, darting in and out of range, high kicks, low kicks, uh, you know, the jab was on point, the lead hook was landing for Robert Whitaker, everything was working, the movement was good. But Yoel Romero can change everything in a heartbeat. Just I mean, anytime he lands that big shot, there's a there's a possibility that you're going down. And damn if he didn't land a couple of those big shots in the fight, and Whitaker had to have his resolve tested, battling through, nearly getting finished on a couple of occasions. Was actually able to walk away with a split decision win. Uh, I, if you look at the judges' scorecard, it was very clear for the judges anyway. Okay, one and two went to Robert Whitaker, three and five went to Romero. It all comes down to how you scored the fourth round. At least if you're in the same line as the judges, two of those three judges gave it to Robert Whitaker, and of course that's why he was able to walk around, walk away with the split decision win. Now. I don't necessarily disagree with that, to be honest with you. That, that, that round was very, very close. I was not doing our play-by-play. Steven Morocco was doing our play-by-play for MMA Junkie, and he actually gave that fourth round to Yo Romero. So the official MMA Junkie scorecard has Yo Romero walking away with a 48-47. Me, I was doing the recap. I was You still score it, right? I mean, you're still kind of keeping it in your eye, but not quite as much as when you know your score is going to be the official record. Um, I did have it for Whitaker I had Whitaker in one two and four um but uh, there's some questions there too right because did a 108 round need to be scored in there whether it be three or or, or, or maybe five but you know are there some 10 eights in there because Whitaker got hurt several times i mean that was the stuff that was closest to finish fight ultimately i went with 10-9 now oh, i'm gonna have to rewatch this fight I, I i'm gonna have to rewatch this fight and rescore it again but uh, uh, originally i went with whitaker so i was i felt pretty comfortable with the decision but it was close it was close i can't i can't call this a robbery i can't call this uh, not to me not to me i i don't think romero got robbed uh but, man, did, did he look as dangerous as ever. Fantastic job, again, of kind of almost giving away rounds. I mean, the, 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 he takes certain rounds where he's just stoic. He just moves forward, keeps his hands high, and, and doesn't do anything because he knows he can't waste energy. And, uh, man, then we find out Robert Whitaker's hand was broken in the third. But, you Romero would just pace himself. And when he decided to explode, he would explode. And And, and, and when he lands... You can hit the canvas. It's dangerous, but Whitaker kept showing heart and maybe that boils down to the fact that he doesn't cut a lot of weight that he does have plenty of fluid on the brain. Maybe that's why he's able to take some of that damage and not you know battle through it. Whew. Tense, tense. So a lot of interesting stuff to discuss with that, not just the scoring. I mean the scoring you could have a whole discussion on that, right? But, but but, I think it was a pretty close fight, and I don't think this was a robbery. I'm okay with the decision, but there's so much more about this fight. Let's start with the weight, first of all. Yoel Romero, just barely missing weight, 185.2 pounds. Now, he complained afterwards that the commission stopped him from cutting a full hour before he was supposed to, uh, to, to, to have to hit the scales a second time. I don't... Listen, I try to talk to people... People weren't necessarily talking a whole lot. You know, Yoel talked about it a little bit, but he does have the a little bit of a language barrier. My Spanish definitely sucks. His English is, is good. Um, but, you know, when you start talking about technical things like that, it's a little bit different than just, you know, stuff that you use in your everyday life. And he claims that the commission cut him off an hour before uh, he he he, uh, he was ready to hit the scales again. Now, you'll, you'll hear in a minute, but, uh, you know, Dana White made it sound like it was more like 20 minutes before he thought he was going to have to weigh in again. Um, and I will say, I mean, there was a point where during those morning weigh ins on Friday, uh, you, you know, we were waiting on you. Well, he went to weigh in, they told him he had two more hours. They, they, he came in, uh, and and it was not uh, what 10, 10 46, and they said he'll have until twelve forty six p.m. And so he came back, and you know, there was still probably, we thought, about another 15 or 20 minutes left as well. Um, but I could hear people in the back. So everybody rushes forward. You know, the cameramen getting positions from the UFC. Um, you know, the, the staff is there. And well doesn't come out to the front. And we keep waiting a little bit. And I'm kind of listening, as you do, um, trying to hear what's going on in the back. And I did hear the doctor, you know, basically they told her, hey, the doctor, you know, the, 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 the doctor, he's coming. And she did say, hey, he's not still cutting weight, right? So they definitely told him to stop cutting. Um but I do wonder if it was more of just a health and safety issue. I mean, I'm sure you guys saw that clip that I shot of, of UL Romero in the hallway leaving the weigh-in area. He did not look good. He did not look good at all. Um, it seems like he may have thrown up at some point. Um, there was a bathroom uh, right, down the, right down the hall from the weigh-in area. It was actually the women's room because the men's room was way on the other side of this floor that we were on. Uh, Esther Lynn, photographer for MMA Fighting, I guess, uh, she was actually in the women's room uh, and, and, and walked in and saw this, this this vomit on the floor. And then somebody from UL Romero's team came in and was looking for an iPhone that I guess they had left in there. So kind of a bizarre situation there. But, I mean, you saw the, 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 the film that I had of how bad he looked. You know, you hear that maybe he was vomiting. Uh, around the weight cut. I mean it just wasn't a good situation. So you know for the doctor to say hey we don't want you cutting anymore I don't think is out of the ordinary. Now if it was an hour early that would be a problem but you know they only came back to the scales like 15 or 20 minutes early. So that leaves 40 minutes unaccounted for and if you listen to the quotes from Dana White afterwards, um, he says he is still kind of wanting to investigate the situation. He says the commission did stop early but if you listen to what he says afterwards he says that, you know, the team took about a forty minute break and then I think what they want to do is put him back in the bathtub with about, you know, twenty minutes left and have him do one last little session right at the end. That is interesting because at just point two away, maybe he would have made weight. Maybe he would have made way. Cost him $50,000. Robert Whitaker, this fight was named the fight of the night, and rightfully so, but Robert Whitaker walks away with $100,000. He gets both of those bonuses So it, since Yoel Romero could not get the bonus. So, um, you know, big financial impact there. Of course, the, the belt wasn't on the line. Yoel didn't win anyway, so it's not like he, you know, doesn't get the title. But, ah, uh, controversy. Controversy nonetheless. Um neither guy came to the post-fight press conference, I will say, I don't always hate that, um, you know, especially when you have classic battles like this. When you have classic battles like this, I don't know if there's a quote that somebody can give right afterwards that, that will do it justice, you know, I, I think of the, the classic John Jones-Alexander Gustafson fight up in Toronto, neither one of the guys could make it to that press conference either, and I, I thought it was almost... Uh, Almost a beautiful thing. As crazy as that might sound, right? Because neither one of them can come in and and say anything that would minimize the performance of the others. It just doesn't. The the, the fight gets to live for itself. We don't have to hear about anybody. I mean, Yoel talked about a little bit. You know, this whole commission thing in the cage afterwards. Um, and, and I I just think if you if you sit there and talk to the media too long and kind of make excuses or complain about stuff, it kind of minimizes. You know how great the fight was. Now this thing gets to live on. So maybe that's just a personal thing. I definitely want to catch up with Robert Whitaker. I understand he's going to be in the States for a couple days before he heads back to Australia. So I'm hoping that we can catch up with Robert Whitaker. And uh, of course, I mean, we'll want to talk to you, El Romero, as well, because there's a lot of questions. Um, third fight between the two, I don't think it needs to happen. I really don't. I was surprised that Joe Rogan went in there and kept calling for the rubber match. I, I don't know if he's come out on social media. We've been working since the fights were over. Um, I don't know if he's come out on social media and kind of apologized. I mean, typically a rubber match um, is, is yes, a third meeting, but it's a third meeting between fighters who are one and one. Uh, you know, it's the tiebreaker, so to speak. Of course, we don't have that situation here. I don't see a need for a third fight right away. I mean, as great as this fight was, I mean, Robert Whitaker has gone in there. He's gone 10 rounds with this guy, and it's the only guy he's fought, right? I mean, he was out, and, and he had to fight him again. Uh, he didn't complain about it, even though, you know, maybe it's not the – the, the sexiest uh, uh, challenger. I mean, certainly I'm sure he would have... You know, he had a great attitude about it, but I'm sure he would have loved a, a GSP fighter, a Michael Bisping fight. You know, that might have been more money for him, and that didn't work out so well. But he didn't complain. You know, Yoel Romero didn't make weight. And he didn't complain. You know, this thing took forever. I, I don't know if people notice, you know this. When we went to bed on Friday night, the, the the fight still wasn't finalized. And I think part of it, it... Well, basically all of it was on Yoel Romero's side, from what I understand. Now, again... People weren't really talking about it, but uh, you know Robert Whitaker just said, "I'll fight. I don't care. I'll fight." And I think Yoel was the one that was frustrated, even though he missed weight, he wanted to fight for the title. He didn't necessarily, you know, he was battling to, to fight for the title. So um, you know, just Robert Whitaker has the right attitude to me about everything here. here. Um, is willing to fight whoever is. I mean, he's just that guy. He's just he's exactly what you want in a champion. You know, he's not a shit talker. He's not a big trash talker, so I mean, maybe that hurts his popularity and his marketability. I think being out for a long time, being injured, you know, also does that. So he isn't necessarily the most popular champion in the UFC. But, I mean, he's a guy you can get behind. And, of course, any time you can tie yourself to a nation, as he does with Australia, that that, that helps the UFC, right? That helps in their expansion efforts. So, uh, But I don't necessarily want to see a third fight from these two, Not right now, maybe down the line, but... Uh, a don't know how much down the line Yoel Romero has left. He is not a young man by any stretch of the imagination. And B, I think he needs to move to 205 pounds. I do. You know, I, he's dangerous at 185, and it's 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 crazy to watch because it's it's like he just waits until he knows he has enough energy to attack, and then he goes at it. Um, and that's great, man. There's it's it's cool, but I might like to see him at 205 where it doesn't feel like he's drained. Um, or, or maybe, maybe his cardio would be better if he didn't have the, the, uh, you know, the weight cut to deal with. I I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't be, you know, maybe his cardio wouldn't be improved because he'd just be carrying more muscle mass, but I'd like to see it. I'd like to see him not have to go through that brutal weight cut that he does to get down to 185 and. You know, maybe he's able to have a little bit more fun at 205 so anyway listen um, again neither guy got to come to the post fight press conference we'll try to catch up with in, in them in the coming weeks um, but we did get a chance to talk to USC president Dana White about the fight and I figured it would make sense to hear from him about uh, you know kind of what he thought about the fight what he thinks the plans are next and again to kind of touch on this commission issue a little bit as well Let's uh, let's talk about Robert Whitaker. I mean, he, he's a guy that's you know not necessarily the most popular champion on the roster right now. I know he's pretty new there, but can you just tell me kind of what you think about him? I mean, facing a guy Whitaker, yeah, facing a guy he's, like Romero twice, he's popular you know. in Australia. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, can, can you tell me what you think about him? Me? I mean, here he is. He fights Romero for ten rounds. Uh, you know, the guy misses weight. It sounds like he took the fight with no no issue. I mean, what, what's your
1: opinion on Whitaker and kind of where his you know star value is? Yeah, well, the th- well, you keep fighting like you fought tonight. Uh, it's going to go up quick. Um, The problem is Whitaker's had some issues. He had injuries. He had staph infection. Had to pull out of the big fight in Australia. You know, he's obviously had some bad luck, but uh, broke his hand in the third round tonight. You know, But he looked great. He's tough. He's durable. Tonight's fight was incredible. Uh, You know, yeah.
0: Romero obviously looked uh, amazing as well in in ways. You know, he's a dangerous guy, but normally when a guy's 0-2 against a champ, probably not getting a third fight anytime soon, and you know, of course, he missed weight, so I right. wonder, I mean, w- will you actively encourage Joel to, to maybe move up to 205 and, and, and see what you idea. can do
1: there? Probably a good idea. We're going to have to talk and, to him and his team, and yeah, it's probably a good idea to go to 205.
2: Yeah, hi. I'd, I'd like to get your thoughts, please, on uh, what might be next for Robert Whitaker and uh, who might be in line to fight him next.
1: Robert Whitaker broke his hand mm-hmm. in the third round fact, His hand is broken. I just saw him back there and his hand is swollen up like this. It's it's huge. His hand's definitely broken. And uh, this kid can't catch a break, you know, injured with his knee, staph infection. Now he broke his hand and he's so talented and he's so tough and he's so good. And he's our first champion from Australia, which is incredible. Um, he's just had a, a real run of bad luck. We're going to have to wait and see how long it's going to take him to get healthy before we talk about what's next
2: Would that a couple more or would that in any way influence whether or not you had another promotion in Australia later this year
1: no mm-hmm. we love Australia we'll, we'll be back to Australia with or without look at if you look at the event that we did for the first time up there mm-hmm. Whitaker ended up falling out and we made another main event with uh, Rockhold and Yoel and look how amazing the event did the event was a huge success and uh, every time we go to Australia the fans are incredible. The fights are always good for some reason, and it's just that place is just an absolute home run for us. You got any thoughts about which city or where, when it might be? I don't hear off the top of my head, um, but I know we're going – I think we're going back this year, right? Yes. yes. Hmm. We'll be back
3: this year. Yeah. I don't know where yet, though. Hey, did Dana, did you have any issues with the commission yesterday and how they handled Romero's weigh-in? What did he say, what? man?
0: Did you have any issues how they handled the weigh-in yesterday, the commission?
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah, that happened. So apparently that happened. I wasn't here, but apparently they gave him two hours to cut weight. And his guy (coughs) um, who helps him cut weight said, let's take 40 minutes here. They sat down, they, they chilled out for 40 minutes, and then they said, we'll get you back in the bathtub. And, like, right when they just started to cut the weight again, the commission came bustling in the room and said, you got to go. And got to weigh in now. So, obviously, we're looking into that, and we're trying to figure out what happened. And, uh, yeah, that is true.
0: All right. In the co-main event, it was none other than the notorious Colby Covington. I know. I, can, I mean, I guess you can't say the notorious, right? It's uh, – it's Conor McGregor's nickname. You can't take the Notorious. But I know he's chaos, but come on, man. He's Notorious. The, the, the most hated man on the USC roster picked up a unanimous decision win over Rafael Dos Anjos to claim the interim welterweight title. And uh, listen... I said it going in, I I picked Colby Covington almost by mistake. Well, not almost by mistake. It was by mistake. I just made a mistake on my staff picks, but I thought, you know what? I had wanted to pull the trigger. I've been a Covington supporter. If you're a long-time listener to the show, you will know I have been a a supporter of Colby Covington's talent level. I think he's a lot better than people give him credit for. He's got fantastic wrestling. He's got fantastic cardio. Um, Yes, his striking is still improving. There's no question about that. but he's relentless, and, and, and man, you knew he was going to have to be relentless to beat Rafael Dos Anjos, but, man, I, I was a little bit worried. The striking of Dos Anjos, I, man, and, and, and RDA, listen, had some success out there. He was landing clean, uh, and, and there were a couple times that Colby Covington got stunned, kind of got turned around a little bit. I mean, this this was no joke. He was out there banging, but the pace finally got to him. Colby Covington, I think, was finally able to to break him a little bit. I mean, you could see it at the end of the fight. Colby Covington, uh, you know, raised his hands in victory, and you know, not that it means anything for you to raise your hand in victory, even if you know you lost, but you could just see the frustration on RDA's face. He just kind of sat down, and his 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 team kind of came at him. I was like, hey, come on, stand up. Have you know. Have some confidence in yourself, you know, show the judges that you think you won. But, man, Colby Covington, relentless pressure. I mean, literally sprinting out to start the fights, uh, to start each round, I should say, uh, and 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 just continue. I mean, clinch work, takedown, clinch work, takedown had to be an incredibly frustrating fight for RDA. And and Colby Covington, I think, it clearly won the fight. Uh, you know, the 49-46 score, I thought was a little tough. 48-47 is the way I had it as well. Um, and Colby Coven is your interim welterweight champion. Crazy. He said he'd do it and he did. And it is not going to sit well with a lot of people. Now listen, Colby's shtick is definitely that. It's, it's, it's him playing a character, man. It's, it's him pro wrestling. I mean, it's, it's him to a degree. It's not completely made up, you know, but as we always say, you know, you, you, you got to kind of take your personality and turn it up to 11 a bit. I, I do think he goes over the top sometimes. I do. I mean, I, I definitely do. Um, you know, the stuff where you classify an entire country, you know, the way he attacks Brazil, for, you know, calling them filthy animals and that sort of things. that's not right. It, it's it's definitely not right. There's no question about it. Um, and I, I can't support that. I can't stand in support of that. But – you know, it doesn't make me hate him. It doesn't make me think less of his abilities as a fighter. And I'm telling you what, it's getting attention all week long. All week long. The stories that clicked the most were Colby Covington and CM Punk. The two people that everybody says they don't care about. The two people that everybody says they hate. I mean, people in the arena, there were, there were you know, chants of F Colby and Colby sucks. I mean, it, man, he was getting it for sure. But Colby Covington is now your interim welterweight champion. Um, you know, the comments on, on Donald Trump, you know, some of those got a lot of headlines His his comments on, uh, you know, the, the Philadelphia Eagles and and the golden state warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers and and all that. I mean, I don't know that that stuff to me, I, I, I don't care about. Um, I mean, if he's taking a, a, a role in basically saying, I support Donald Trump just because he knows it pisses people off. Uh, who cares? I mean, who absolutely cares? Uh, I, I do think there is a line, and, and he, you know, we talked about it ahead, You know, ahead of this fight, and he says, I, I think I, I walk right up to the line and I don't step over it. I do think he steps over it sometimes. And, again, to me, it's basically the Brazil stuff, you know, calling calling them all filthy animals. I just don't think you, you can do that, you know. I don't think you can do that. I guess the good news is, you know, he's not fighting Brazilian next. Um, he's going to fight Tyron Woodley next. And Tyron Woodley immediately took to social media, um and uh, you know said hey let's let's get this fight done so um yeah it sounds like we'll get a a unification fight sooner rather than later so uh listen Colby Covington did make it back RDA did not uh, he was transported as well I know he was he was disappointed anyway so I'm sure he probably didn't want to talk to the media but Colby Covington of course wanted to talk to the media up there with a a bottle of a uh, body armor water that he had written nerd tears on. Uh, And was drinking the nerd tears, and talking about how good it tasted. Here's Colby Covington. Colby, congratulations on your victory this evening. Uh, Obviously, it was a very uh, emotional week. People chanting at you, yelling at you, cussing at you, all that, and and, uh, you know you kind of proved all the doubters wrong. Give me an idea, just what the emotions like, the feelings like, to to have that gold belt that you said you'd have.
4: Uh, i did everything i said i was going to do i told everybody i was going to make the welterweight division great again and now i'm going to celebrate how a real american should celebrate winning a world title and that's going to the white house to see mr donald trump put this on his desk unlike the the philadelphia eagles disrespecting our country's flag by kneeling for the national anthem
0: what's more personally satisfying for you i mean Every, every fighter is working towards a UFC title, and now you have one. I mean, is it that personal accomplishment and satisfaction, or is it, you know, all the haters and all the doubters and everybody said you wouldn't do it, you know, being able to kind of shut them up, basically?
4: Yeah, just I said everything I was going to do. You know, I, I don't think there's very many media in here that picked me to win this fight. Definitely all the nerds on Instagram and, tw- and Twitter didn't pick me to win this fight, so it's good to shut them all up, you know? The nerd tears, is, it's a great feeling. <sighs> Your game
0: plan, obviously, was relentless aggression, wrestling. You, you stuck to it for the full 25 minutes. I want to ask you know, how the fight played out versus your expectations. Uh, you know, he did have a couple of great moments. He even took you down a couple of times. How did it play out versus what you thought?
4: Uh, you know, he, he did a lot better than I thought he would do. I, I thought I was going to melt him within two rounds, but he's got good cardio, a lot better than Tyrone Woodley. So, you know, it, it was a good fight. You know, we put on a good show for the fans.
0: And last thing for me, Colby, you know, Tyron took the social media right away and said, listen, let's let's do this, let's get it done. Um, give me an idea, I mean, what's your condition right now, your health? I mean, how fast could you turn around after a five-round battle like that and have this unification fight?
4: Uh, you know, I'm looking at, uh, is the Madison Square Garden card in uh, November? Should be. Yeah, so I'm looking around that time frame, you know. Uh, I put in a lot for this camp, so i want to keep getting better. You know, I'm getting better every time you see me. I'm putting a lot of work in Muay Thai. So, you know, the guy's a fake, man. He's out there spitting bars. You should go listen to that, man. If you guys think you hate me now, go listen to him try to do his rap album right now. That's a joke. So besides that, you know, he's, he's doing his little gossip stuff in Hollywood. He's doing these little B-list ro- movie roles that go straight to DVD. He's doing anything but fight, and that's why I'm here. I'm making this welterweight division great again.
2: Colby, I'm I'm wondering if you've been able to talk to Dana. When he was here, he said he could get you into the White House.
4: Uh, I haven't got to talk to Dana. You know, I talked to Dan Lambert. He has that connection to get me in there, too. So, you know, I think we're going to talk after this conference and uh, definitely get me into the White House and put this on Trump's desk.
2: And uh, explain what's going on with this water bottle. Does that say nerd tears on side?
4: Yeah, this does say nerd tears. All the people out there that uh, doubted me, all the nerds and virgins, which is mostly my haters, this is for them. You know, they're all crying on social media right now. They're all complaining. They're probably saying, you know, oh, RDA is a washed up lightweight. No one gives me credit. I guess I just, all I do is talk. I, don't, I can't fight and prove it.
2: Colby, congratulations, of course, on the win. Uh, you obviously are a strong wrestler, but you did show other facets to your game tonight. Was that part of the plan or were you surprised that, you know, maybe RDA resisted a little bit and you had to switch things up a little bit? Because you did show more just your wrestling.
4: Yeah, I wanted to come and show that I'm the most well-rounded fighter on the planet. And that's what I did tonight. I can now strike anybody. My pace alone is is unstoppable. No one can keep with my pace. And and Tyrone Woodley's felt that in the gym. He knows it. You know, he's tired at home. He's probably still out of breath.
2: With that matchup being next, I mean, how, how do you see that fight going down? How do you see yourself you know, matching up with Tyrone?
4: Uh, it's an easy matchup for me, man. I've trained hundreds and hundreds of rounds sparring at American Top Team with me so I know how he fights he's real predictable all he has is a right hand he's got no gas tank he backs up and fights people are scared of his power I'm not scared of his power I'll go right into his power I'll get him in the clinch I'll do whatever I want with him I'll finish him inside three rounds mark my words
2: I know there was a little bit of awkwardness with some of the Brazilian teammates at American Top Team how do you think they're going to react with you know you and Tyron I know Tyron doesn't really train at the Coconut Creek gym but you know he still represents ATT
4: yeah, you know, he doesn't really train at ATT Coconut Creek. He has his little ATT affiliate in St. Louis. Uh, he's training at Duke Rufus. That's where he does his camps now. He just, he's just trying to stay cool with Dan Lambert. You know, Dan's the man, so of course he doesn't want to burn that bridge. But, you know, I think the Brazilian teammates, you know, I think they're going to be the same way they were. They don't want to train with me because all the favela masters in, in Brazil want them dead. And if they see that they're training with me, you know, that's not going to be a good look for them. So, you know it's it's no hard feelings you know we have nothing but love around the gym at att it's just business now
2: and uh you know obviously Tyron's the next guy on the list but you know you've never shied away from you know calling other fights asking for other fighters one guy who's out there at welterweight or hopefully at welterweight again one day is george st pierre and i heard that that's a fight you might be interested in at some point
4: yeah i'm definitely interested in gsp that serb sucking canadian i'll st- i'll bury him right where he stands
2: does this really feel to you like you're the
0: champion? Like is this the feeling that you dreamed of when, when you when you dreamed of becoming a champion, or do you feel like you'll only feel that way once you beat him?
4: Uh, this is the undisputed strap. You know, he had a chance to fight me last December. He was good to fight Nate Diaz, he was good to fight GSP, but you know, he couldn't get his money fight, and all of a sudden he needs preventative shoulder surgery that he waited eight months to get after Damian Maya. So this is the real strap. He has the paper strap. Now he knows I'm the money fight. I I built that fight, you know, and and no one wants to see him. They want to see me.
0: And just uh, one more thing. You've uh, seemed to have drawn the ire of your former roommate, John Jones. Uh, He was tweeting a lot about you. And uh, I'm wondering if you had any response to some of the things he was saying.
4: Uh, No comment on John Jones. He is who he is.
0: What do you mean by that?
4: I mean, he's he's done what he's done for himself. You know, I have no, nothing further to say. This is the real belt, so you know I don't have anything to say about him.
0: So Colby Covington, a UFC champion, who would have thunk it? Man, listen, that's oh, the hate is strong. I had somebody hit me up on Twitter uh, the other day and actually uh, hit up a number of podcasts uh, that said, "Hey, listen, we're, we're you know I I didn't download any podcasts that didn't you know that had Colby Covington on because I just don't want to hear anything by him. And I I get it, man. It's a, it's a real reaction. But I'm telling you what, man, it it, it is the truth. The bottom line is in in fighting and combat sports, what you don't want is apathy. If somebody'll pay 50 bucks because they love you or somebody'll pay 50 bucks because they hate you, it doesn't matter as long as they're willing to pay the 50 bucks. Um and Colby Covington has done that. So again, you know, is it the most refined trash talk? Is it the smoothest trash talk? Is it the best trash talk? No, but listen, he found a way to, to, to move himself up the ladder, he found a way to get that title shot, and now he's there. And now it looks like Tyron Woodley is next. I did talk to Kamar Uthman, who was in town as a guest fighter. Um, I actually ran to him uh, last night um, and, and just spoke to him briefly. And, and, and he said, Listen, I would like to have that fight with Covington. You know, uh, him and if you remember, Kamaru and Colby went at it pretty good at that press conference in New York. Um, the 25th anniversary press conference where they had everybody up there. Those two, even though they weren't fighting, were going at it pretty strong. So, um, you know, Kamaru definitely wants that fight at some time. But, um, you know, listen, if, if, if it looks like Colby and Tyron want to, uh, you know, unify these titles, I'm sure the UFC would like to get that done sooner rather than later rather than have, you know, Tyron defending a regular title, Colby defending an interim title. That just doesn't make sense. You want to get rid of those interim titles as soon as possible. But – if for some reason Tyron does have an injury or can't fight or whatever the case may be, I know Kamaru Usman is just itching for that Colby Covington to fight because he uh because he told me what he said I'd love to f- I'd love to fight that guy. Uh, one one quick thing too, you may have heard reference there some you know this we we talked about the Donald Trump stuff. Um, I did get a chance to ask uh, Dana White. You know, hey, listen, I mean you you know you, you've you've helped Trump out. You know, Trump's helped you out. You guys have a relationship. You know, do you think you can really make this happen? And the answer he gives me is so just nonchalantly yes, that I had to to second guess. I, I had to say, I mean, are you like, are you sure? Do you mean that? Because I couldn't tell if he was being kind of sarcastic. It, it, I mean, listen to it. Just listen to the tone of his voice, and you can see the, you can't see his face obviously with audio, but you know he was just so kind of eh that I had to clarify to make sure he wasn't joking. But it sounds like he's legit. He thinks maybe they can get Trump and Colby Covington together. Which, my God. <laughs> the power of those two men together to upset people will be crazy. Um, but what a, what a hell of a, an opportunity that would be for the UFC to, to get some headlines, even if some of them may be negative. Man, you're telling me people wouldn't be clicking and talking about that. Here's, here's what Dana told me. Let me ask about Colby Covington as well, your, your newest champion. Uh, man, you know, you talk about guys that move the needle. He, he definitely does it, though not always in the most you know positive ways. I wonder now that, you know, he's a champion – what will you do with him? I mean, will you encourage him to maybe settle things down a little bit? Are you okay with the way he
1: promotes and markets himself? I don't encourage guys to do anything. You know, you are who you are and it is what it is. <clears throat> um, unless you're throwing dollies through bus windows, I, I don't uh, encourage, you know, people not to do stuff. He is, you know, let him do his thing. Um, yeah.
0: He said he wants to take that belt to the White House. We put in a call to uh, your buddy Trump and, and try to make that happen?
1: He wants to take, yeah. Yeah, I can make that happen. Really? Yeah. Interesting.
0: By the way, I should mention, if you like what you're listening to, and you like the fact that we're staying up super late to do this, do us a favor. Go into iTunes. Make sure you're logged in. Make sure you subscribe to us. Take a quick second to rate us if you can. Five stars would be appreciated. And review us if you can. Leave a little bit of feedback. Good, bad, hopefully good. Do that. And then tell other people they need to be listening to the show too. All that stuff helps us out. What also helps, especially this week, is if you support people that sponsor us. I'd like the fine people. at simple contacts. Not aware contacts. I don't. I probably need to. My eyesight's getting horrible. So I might be a new a new customer of Simple Contacts, but if you wear contact lenses and you find yourself dreading that annual appointment to renew your prescription, then you're going to love Simple Contacts. It's a great new company that makes this annoying process very well. Simple, hence the name Simple Contacts. Simple Contacts lets you renew your expired contact lens prescription and reorder your brand of lenses from your phone or computer in minutes. Who doesn't love that? I'm all about that. Amazon.com. Sorry, brick and mortar stores. I apologize. Simple Contacts bring the doctor's office to wherever you are, wherever you need it. You can take the Simple Contacts vision test online in five minutes, and a real doctor reviews it and renews your prescription. You save time, save money, and save yourself a headache. If you have an unexpired prescription, just upload a photo of it to your doctor's info and order your lenses in minutes for a great price. They do all the hard work for you. This is vision Care for the 21st century simple contacts orders excuse me simple contacts offers every brand of lenses and their prices are unbeatable the prescription is just twenty dollars compare that with an annual appointment which can be up to two hundred and fifty dollars without insurance I know some of you ain't got insurance I've been there (laughs) they have some of the best prices on contacts and shipping is free best of all our listeners get thirty dollars off their first Simple Contacts order. To save your thirty dollars, just go to simplecontacts.com/road, or enter the code ROAD at checkout. Now, I gotta mention it's not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. You still need those occasionally. I know I do. But it is the most convenient way to renew a prescription and reorder your contacts if your vision hasn't changed. Again, check out Simple Contacts. And get thirty dollars off by going to simplecontacts.com slash road. Or just enter the code ROAD at checkout. You can give it a try and thank me later. That's right. Come on, man. If you don't need contacts, you don't need simple contacts. But if you do, we ain't trying to sell you nothing you don't need. If you need simple if you need contacts, you need simple contacts. It's that simple. All right, in a key women's fight, Holly Holm picked up unanimous decision win over Megan Anderson. Man, fun fight here. Fun fight here. Megan Anderson, long, you know, long wait to make her UFC debut, came in and, and landed some big shots early on. And I thought, uh-oh, because, man, Megan is big. You know, she talks about that. she walks around about 175 pounds, and she looked every bit of it in there in the cage, just towered over Holly Holm. Um, and, and just her, her size and her range and her power – I mean, it's legit, and she tagged Holly early on. I thought, oh, oh, oh this is not gonna go well, um, but Holly adjusted on the fly. She, you know, she 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 recovered. She backed away. She was able to kind of um, settle herself a little bit, and then she turned to her wrestling. She turned to her wrestling and some and some solid jiu-jitsu on the bottom, or, or you know, on the ground as well. You know, maintaining top position, uh, advancing positions. You know, I thought she did a, a really good job, showing us kind of a, a wrinkle of her game that that she hasn't shown before, and ended up kind of cruising to this decision win over Megan Anderson, who looked very very frustrated um, at the end of the fight. And now you got a situation... You know, I was talking to ESPN's uh, Brett Okamoto about this earlier this week. We were kind of confused with this matchmaking because, you know, I did think Holly was going to win this fight. I didn't think she was going to win it the way she did. Uh, you know, I thought her movement, her athleticism um, was going to prove problematic for Megan Anderson, who is big and powerful, but I don't think has the speed and, and the and the movement capabilities that Holly does. Um, we didn't really see the fight play out that way. So, I, you know, I got the winner right, but I didn't necessarily see the the fight playing out the way it did. Um but, you know, Brett, I think, kinda picked it the same way. And that was the the, the confusing part was now what do you do with Megan Anderson? I mean the whole thing is is developing the one hundred and forty five pound division a little bit. Um, and, and Megan of course was somebody that, that people wanted to see fight Cyborg because she is a natural featherweight. She is somebody that would be as big as Cyborg. But now you can't do that fight right now. And, and so I think that's that's why this fight was always a little bit weird. Um You know, I don't know that you really want to see Holly in there with Cyborg again right now, right? I mean we just we just saw that. And Holly didn't, you know, didn't do bad. But it's not like I felt like I need to see the fight again. And now, maybe Holly's the one thirty five contender. You know, Amanda Nunes says Bring it. Let's do that, and you know, it sounds like Holly. You know, she says she wants titles in both weight classes, and maybe she will. Maybe she'll end up doing both. But it's weird because I don't necessarily know what you do with Cyborg now. Um, maybe that clears up Cyborg to be a coach on the Ultimate Fighter coming up. You know, we've got women's featherweights and heavyweights, and what maybe the last season of the Ultimate Fiber, Fiber, the last season of the Ultimate Fiber, <laughs> the Ultimate Fighter, um, and 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 maybe that. You know, because she doesn't have a fight right away, maybe that frees Cyborg up to, to coach. I don't know who you would necessarily do on the other side of the equation, but maybe maybe that's okay. But I don't know, it just seemed a weird first fight for Megan Anderson. You know, not that any fight in the UFC is a gimme, but, you know, this just seemed like an especially tough one. Um, and now you kind of ruined the opportunity of her fighting with Cyborg. So, um, you know, rough, rough, rough debut for Megan Anderson, but she'll be back. She's continuing to improve, and she's definitely got – Some legitimate physical tools. Uh, Meanwhile, Holly Holm, you know, maybe she gets another shot at the 135 title. Maybe, you know, the former champion coming back, the the, the two women that have beat Ronda Rousey, who, of course, went to the USC Hall of Fame or will go into the USC Hall of Fame but was named to the class uh, that night. Uh... Maybe those two fighting off, you know, it would mean something. So, I don't know. I thought it was a gutsy performance by Holly Holman. I'm impressed. I'm still a little surprised with the booking. I don't know what to do with Megan Anderson next. But um, a good fight nonetheless. Another good fight was Ty Tuivasa and Andre Tied Ty Tuivasa, the fast-rising heavyweight out of Australia. Uh, you know, raw, hard-hitting. You know, kind of the, the new version of Mark Hunt, so to speak. Uh, you know, which I don't think he'll take as an insult since that's his training partner. But Ty did beat uh, Andre Alaski 29-28 on all three cards. Tough fight, tough fight, because Andre, you know, Andre, uh, we mentioned coming in, you know, just how do you not like Andre Alaski? I mean, the guy's been around forever. He's certainly a legend in the sport, and he's just a good dude, you know, and, and, and I thought he fought well in this fight. I mean, his chin is definitely concerning, right? And, and, and every time Ty would hit him, he'd wobble a little bit, he'd stagger a little bit, but, but, but Ty hits hard as hell too, so I don't know if that's necessarily a, a, a bad thing. You know, I don't know if that's necessarily uh, horrible that that was the case, um, but I think it definitely played into the judges' judges eyes a little bit, and I scored the fight for Ty Tuivasa as well. Um, it, it was weird for me to see Andrei Oloski uh, raising his hands with a few seconds left in the fight and kind of celebrating a little bit um, you know kind of running away from engaging running away is not the right term because that makes it sound like he was scared, but but you know resetting and moving to the side. I don't know that that was the wisest decision he could have made i mean i I don't know that he would have been able to salvage it in that that last bit. I thought Andre looked good i mean i do I think I, finding a young up and coming stud uh and and you know being able to to stick and move and deal with some of the power punches and fight through it. I thought it was good, man. I was I was impressed with you know the way Andre Arlovski fought, but I just think Ty's power was too much, man. Every time he landed, whew, scary, scary stuff. Ty, Ty, Ty can hit, man, and, and uh, you know what's what's on the future for him. We'll, we'll see, but. He certainly is the real deal, and he's got the personality, man. He he, he did the shoey again. I mean, come on. He asked Joe Rogan for the shoe. Good on Joe to say hell no. <laughs> but Ty did find himself a shoe, and uh, I mean, he he just oozes personality, man. He's he's a, he's he's laid back, but he but he has a lot of fun, and his fighting style is fan friendly. Just comes out and bangs, and that's what people want to see. So I was gutted for Andre Alaski there, but you know, I do think that that, that you know does show that Andre. Who earlier in the week said, "Listen, I've 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 got a couple years left, man. I've got some time. Um, I think he showed that he does. You know, I think he's still got some fights left in him. He's still a draw, um, and 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 he's still capable of fighting. You know, even with guys that are you know decade plus his his junior and uh, and making making rises up the ranks. Deep breath." The main card started with Mike Jackson beating CM Punk thirty to twenty six on all three cards. Um, listen, I don't know anything about professional wrestling. I have never seen CM Punk wrestle once in my life, and I don't know how big of a star he was. I don't know what he, I don't know what his character entailed exactly. I don't, I don't know anything about him. Okay, so when he signed with the UFC. I didn't know what to expect. I mean, my only, I guess my only experience with a WWE superstar coming to the USC was Brock Lesnar, and, um, you know, Brock is an entirely different personality, but I like CM Punk, man. Every interview I've had with him, every time I've talked to him, he just seems like the most sincere, kind of just a a hard-working guy, I guess, and and, and a guy that, that admitted, like, I know this is crazy, but damn it, I love this sport, man, I'm a fan, and I know that, you know, being a star helps drive ticket sales, helps drive uh, pay-per-view sales, and I know I can help this company, and because of that, I want to try this, and, and he talked to Dana White, and Dana White said yes, and we know what happened the first time, but then, you know, you start thinking, ah, Mickey Gall, man, Mickey Gall's legit. Uh, he loses that fight, and then he gets a second shot. and And I did think the fight with Mike Jackson was the fight to make. There's not a lot of guys you can match CM Punk with. Up, uh, this was the right one. And CM Punk just just didn't just didn't show it in there. I mean, he showed heart. The guy, I still think the guy deserves credit for chasing his dreams, for trying something that is incredibly difficult, and and doing a good job at. It. I mean, at least doing a I mean a, a good job of. You know, committing himself to preparing, but it's it's just not showing up in the cage. You know, I guess there was patience there tonight, and he sure showed heart, man. There were times that he could have just kind of packed it up and and, and turned it over and given his neck and, and called it a night, um, and he didn't, man. And he got up off the canvas every time. You could see the frustration in his face. You know, to 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 do that and to lose at home, especially you know, to, to here in Chicago where he lives. Um, I know it had to be painful for him. Uh, and I I respect him, but it's just not there. The skill's not there. He's stiff on the feet. There's no question about it. Um, you know the the striking attacks were not impressive. You know he was able to work to the clinch. Um, he knew he had to get inside and try to grapple a little bit, but he but he really wasn't able to get you know the takedowns very you know very reliably. Um, and and of course Mike Jackson um, Mike Jackson dominated the fight, and he proved that CM Punk doesn't belong in the UFC. But I'll say this, I I wasn't impressed with Mike Jackson either, man. I was impressed with some things. I was impressed with some things. I did think he looked comfortable in there. I did think his striking looked fluid. But I think he showboated too much. He he was dominating a guy and should have been able to put him away. And I get it early on, you're trying to be cautious. And I again, I like Mike Jackson too, man. I've worked alongside, I mean, we know he's an MMA journalist as well as, you know, a fighter. I mean, I've, I've worked in press rooms with him. I've talked to him this week. I met some of his buddies, you know. Uh, Mick Maynard is, has known Mike Jackson for like 10 years. I mean, the guy fought as an amateur for him. You know, Mick likes him. His family likes him. I mean, Mike is a good dude, but I think he's screwed up here. I think he screwed up. I, I think he had an opportunity to finish CM Punk. To do what Mickey Gall did. To go in there and just put him away and say, you know what, you're not on my level, and I'm going to show the world you're not on my level. And instead he showboated, you know, and he... he. he I, man, I saw the clip, he tickled him at one point. You know, I, I'm not going to lie, I didn't catch that live. Um, but, you know, he tickled him in there. I mean, he had the the, the weird stuff where he was kind of looking away and and, 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 and striking, and um, I don't know, man. I just I feel like he could have finished the fight, and he didn't. Um and it it did not sit well with with Dana white um, Dana white had some incredibly incredibly harsh words um, and made it clear that uh, that Mike Jackson is not going to to fight any longer for for the USC even though he picked up a win here uh, Mike Mike took to uh, to Twitter to social media to kind of protest all of this but um, I, I guess to set it all up let's let's hear Dana White on uh, on both Mike Jackson and CM Punk you can got get his thoughts on on both sides of this fight.
2: And last question, obviously CM Punk you know suffered a tough loss tonight. Uh, I have to imagine that's it for him, but I mean, did you talk to him after the fight and and I got to I mean, is that it for him as far as how many chances you're gonna give him in the UFC?
1: Did he do any media after the fight?
2: He got transported.
1: huh he was transported. Oh, he was, and everybody got transported tonight. Um, yeah. Uh, no, it's prob- it should be a wrap, you know. The-, the guy's 39 years old. I love the guy. He's the nicest guy in the world. Um, we gave him two shots, you know, and-, and he had a lot of heart tonight in, in this fight. And, uh, yeah, I think he should call it a wrap. Uh, what do you think about uh, the heart that he, he showed in he the fight did. today? No, he did, yeah. man. Listen, he got-, he got clipped a lot in that fight. And he- it looked like he was hurt bad a couple of times. Um, he stayed in there. He went for three rounds, you know. Michael Jackson, I'm not happy with. This guy was acting like a goofball tonight. You get this opportunity to come in and fight CM Punk, and you're doing like bolo punches to the body on top. Never looked like he was trying to finish the fight ever, right? Looked like he could have finished the fight a few times. Never tried. I don't know what that guy did for a living before we gave him the shot, but whatever it was, he needs to go back and do that again. He's 0-2 as far as I'm concerned. Well, uh, to that point, it seemed like he was trying to milk it um, to to stay on TV longer. Did you get that sense? I got the sense that that he's a complete fucking idiot, and uh, I couldn't wait for that fight to end. And I regretted not putting it on Fight Pass. Yeah. That's how I felt about it.
0: So as you can see, Dana White very, very, very fired up. Um, it, to be fair, and again, uh, you know, I like Mike Jackson. He's a good dude. I just think. You know, we've said it before in completely different situations because obviously this is a unique position. But, like, when matchups are made and and they're one-sided matchups, yeah, that's, you know, you you don't like to see it. But if you're in one of those one-sided matchups and you're the favorite and you want to come out still looking okay afterwards, you got to dominate. you got to go in there and put the guy away. And I think that's what Mike Jackson was incredibly capable of doing. And I know Mike Jackson is not trying to be a UFC champion. But he, he could have put CM Punk away, and he didn't. Um, instead, he chose to showboat a little bit, and I, it's going to cost him his USC career, it looks like. Um, I do think, again, in fairness, uh, that Jackson should get a chance to defend himself. And he talked about a little bit of this stuff. He said, listen, I wasn't just uh, acting a fool when I was looking away. Um, I was getting some advice from my corner. And, and, and uh, So, in fairness, I, I want to play this. This happened you know, several hours before Dana White came back and, and – uh, you know, for lack of a better word, kind of shit all over uh, Mike Jackson. But uh, but but Mike did come back and talk to me as well. I wasn't back there, but Cold Coffee was recording it. And then uh, here's what Mike Jackson had to say. Mike, obviously,
3: congratulations on the win. Did the fight pretty much like That was plan B. Plan A was to get the knockout. But I, I knew going into the fight that Phil was going to be a very tough opponent. So plan B, which is just beat him up. And that's what I did. Were you
2: surprised
3: No, you know, I, again, I knew he was a tough guy. He comes from pro wrestling, you know, and I've heard the stories about his wrestling training and the guy, he's tough, you know, and um, look, if he wasn't going down in the first round with the shot, like I know and I heard him several times, you know, he put him on a little Christian for a little bit and he stayed there, you know, and I knew it was just going to be me having to keep the constant pressure on him and get the decision, unfortunately. That was not what I wanted, but whatever. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, you know, he, he landed a couple shots on me, you know, my hands down. I was trying to style a little bit too much. That's my bad. Uh, but no, I, I was never hurt. And, and really the only surprising moment was uh, when he dove for like a knee bar. That kind of call, it oh! But you know, again, I told cats, man, they sleep on the ground game with me because of the golf fight. Look, I took that fight on like a month's notice. And I hadn't been training MMA or the ground for about two years, you know. And then, girl, he's a solid brown belt. You know what I'm saying? So he, he caught me, he caught me slipping. You know, I zig when I should have zag. You know, it was what it was. But again, my ground is solid. I'm not that thing, Ariel. I was actually looking at my corner. I had UFC Hall of Famer Pat Militich. Of course, I had Crew Bob and my Truth About Stuff podcast co-host, Show Enough Stuff, Richard Burmaster. You know, I was just kind of looking at them, looking for a little bit of instruction. But then I also knew if I wasn't necessarily looking at him, he didn't know when the shots were going to come. And every time I was looking away and I would throw the shots, I felt them land. Maybe, but, man, the guy's tough, man. I hit him with some solid right hands. And the dude, I mean, I hurt him a little bit. But then once I put the pressure on him, you know he did what he was supposed to do. He tied up, and, and look, I, if I couldn't have get him out of there the first round, I knew it was going to be a long night. And I mean, we, we went the whole 15 minutes.
2: If you were giving him advice, would you tell him to
3: stop? That's what I would tell him. Stop.
2: You
3: don't think you should get I don't, you know, and not—it's I mean, not a disrespectful thing, but look, this is a this is a sport where your life is on the line. You know, and, and I get it, and I respect him 100% for his willingness to step in there, but now you're just putting your, you're putting your health at risk. I mean, he's in, he, I, I sent him to the hospital. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not top-tier level. I know what it is with me and my skills. Can I compete with some, some guys in the UFC? Of course I can. But a, as far as him trying to continue with the sport, I highly advise against it just just for his safety.
2: Mike, you, after the fight, you...
3: The same, the same the fight. Hey, man, I, I just told him it was 100% respect, man. You know, I, I know this kind of got started when he called me a can on, the, on the, uh, the interview. But, again, that was a few years ago, and I kind of took it personally. But as I've grown as a person, you know, I, it was watering the bridge. Everybody has their opinions, and if I really cared about what all these people say, I'd go crazy, you know. So I, I, it, it would, it, I got the fight. That's really what it was about. And once I got the fight, you know, I, I, it was watering the bridge, you know. Um, but it always, there's been hundred percent respect from my end because I know what it takes to make that walk. You know, not only just to get in there, I know what it's like to take that walk. And the nerve—well, tonight I ain't really had too many nerves. It, it was—it was a different feeling tonight. But I know what it's about, you know. And so, all—all hundred percent respect to the guy.
0: All right, so there you go. You know, make up your own mind. The uh, the CM Punk experiment, it seems like, is over. Uh, I I will always have respect for that guy uh I, I like him but I, I, I will say i do agree that you know his mma career should be over at this point you know I, I don't know that he necessarily um he says you know that he wants to keep doing it maybe and that he would you know maybe try to fight on the on the regional stage that's what he said after the first fight you know after the second fight i don't know if he still feels that way or not but um you know not to say that he can't ever get to a higher level um but i definitely don't think he's capable of being there now and uh, I feel bad for Mike Jackson, man. I hope there's some regional promotions that might give him some chance. You know, uh, Mick Maynard no longer involved with LFA, but, you know, maybe they'll give him the spot. Or, I mean, maybe Bellator will want to pick him up. I, I don't know. I don't know. There there are spots for him. But, I, you know, I, I think that he had a chance to, to make a statement here tonight. And, uh, you know, he made the wrong statement. Uh, a guy that did make the right statement was Curtis Blades. Good Lord. um, Scary. Scary. Big finish for Alistair over him, certainly the biggest win of Curtis Blade's career. Uh, The big TKO via elbows. Uh, Blade started out kind of cautiously, and, uh, you know, it it was funny, the crowd was booing, but it's like, dude, you have two of the biggest dudes in in the sport in there. Both of them capable of putting your lights out. Uh, And either one of them wanted to overcommit, and (laughs) the crowd kind of booed him a little bit, which I thought was a little bit ridiculous. Um, But whatever, It, 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 it is what it is. Uh, and Curtis Blades you know turned to his resting a little bit about 2 minutes into the uh, the second round was able to get a takedown there and of course in the third round he took the fight to the floor and landed those nasty elbows over him was definitely tiring um, and you got to feel for over him now man he was gashed up man there was blood flowing even as he walked by press row um, but a huge huge win for Curtis Blades here big statement in the heavyweight division he wants a he wants a title fight next i don't i don't know if he's going to get it But, uh, man, he is the real deal. He's had some promise behind him. Uh, You know, people kind of keeping their eye on him. But, you know, this was that breakout moment where you say, uh, you know, maybe it earns him a a fight pass main event or – excuse me, not a fight pass, but a fight night main event or a co-main event or something along those lines. I mean, the the guy definitely uh, is the real deal. Claudio Cadella picked up a split decision win over Carlos Pozzi. Torn on this one. Really, really torn on this one. Yeah. First of all, I, Carla Esparza looked fantastic, man. I, 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 To be honest with you, I thought she was going to struggle pretty pretty badly in this fight. Um, Godzilla is uh, just – I thought she was going to be able to overwhelm her, and that just wasn't the case, you know. She, she really didn't – Carla Esparza had a lot of success on the feet. Tad Claudia a couple times, man. Had had Goodella, uh, you know, out there trying to to, to to straighten out her legs, man. She was just, uh, you know, stepping in potholes, as they say, man. Like, about to go down out there. Uh, but Claudia showed her toughness. A lot of takedowns. I, you know, I, I thought the thing, and this is why I was torn, because I thought Carla had some great striking on the feet, um, of course. And while she did get taken down quite a few times, I didn't think Claudia did a whole lot with top position. You know, she got there, but I didn't feel like she did a whole lot with it. Um, Because of that, I didn't think the points were necessarily adding up in her favor. Uh, In the end, she did do just enough to get the split decision. She said, listen, uh, you know, I felt confident I had done enough, but, you know, what what else are you going to say afterwards? You're not going to get on the mic and be like, no, I'm pretty pretty lucky I got that decision. So, um, you know, a good fight. I, I just I, again, I, I think Carla Esparza's stock will probably rise a little bit out of this, even though she lost. You know, I, I think she showed some fantastic things here and, and deserves some some uh, some credit moving forward. Brasat Bechtich picked up a split decision win over Carter Lamas. This uh, this was a tough one too, uh, and this one was different. You know, I, I had you know I was on MMA Junkie radio earlier and I was um, earlier in the week, and they kind of asked me to pick a, a fight that 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 I thought would be uh, you know, a little, a little special, what have you, and I thought this would be it. I mean, there's a lot of fights in here you could have picked, but I'm a, I'm high on Murciel Bagditch and, of course, Ricardo Lamas is a proven commodity as well. Um, you know, I thought this was going to be a really great fight. It was a good fight in terms of the talent level that was in there, the skill that was on display, but it was a grinding fight, and there wasn't as much action uh, as as I as I thought there would be. Um, I, you know, I think the right guy win. I thought Murat Bektic did enough to, to, to win the fight. Um, it just it just didn't deliver on as much action as I thought. But keep your eye on Murat Bekdzh. Um, I do think he's the real deal in that division. And and getting a win over Ricardo Lamas, even you know if it wasn't as exciting as maybe it could have been or should have been, um, I think still says something big in the division. Chris De La Rocha picked up a TKO win over Rashad Coulter, Dallas' own Rashad Coulter. Uh, obviously, I'm always gonna be a little bit impartial to to anybody that's uh, fighting out of Dallas, my hometown. Uh, I love the Fortis MMA crew out there. And it was so great because, you know, I talked to Rashad earlier this week. And I said, listen, you've been in some crazy fights, um, but is there any party that says, you know, I got to calm down with this craziness and, and just, you know, try to uh, try to settle things down and pick up a win and make sure I protect my spot? And he said, no, listen, I'm going after that 50 G's. It's kill or be killed. I'm going in there to throw down. And that is exactly what he did, man. Uh, it, it, you know, Heavyweights uh, aren't always the, the, the most beautiful techniques to watch at times. Uh, and, and these two dudes were just going out there in a barn burner, a, a slobber knocker, if you will. Just teeing off on the feet in a pace that you knew they weren't going to be able to keep. Uh, and they couldn't. <laughs> uh, but dude, Chris De La Rocha showed an incredible chin. Absolutely incredible chin, which I believe. Uh, and I, I didn't see the clips, I heard people talking about it on Twitter. Led his corner to say uh, he's a big Mexican with a big head or something like that. You're not going to knock him out, uh, which was pretty funny. But, um, you know, De La Rocha actually took the fight to the ground. And once it got there, it's kind of wild. I mean, uh, Chris De Rocha got to, got to top control and he ended up getting to the back. And the action really stalled there. Um, and the crowd was booing and wanted to stand up, but I mean, he was, you know, in firm back control. You're not going to get a stand up there. Rashad just simply couldn't get off the ground. And, uh, you know, Kevin McDonald's watching closely and, and, and the punches are coming in and they're not enough really to stop the fight, but you can't stand it up either. I mean, not with a guy in back control like that. So, you know, Rashad Coulter is, is forced to, to just kind of take the weight and, uh, you know, he was, he was, he was stuck and he, and he couldn't get out, but, uh, you know, eventually, Chris Diller-Rocha got just enough room to uh, to land a couple of big shots, and McDonald waved it off. And Coulter hated the stoppage, and, and I get it. You know, he wasn't taking a ton of damage on the bottom, um, but he took enough damage where I, I didn't I, I didn't have an issue. So uh, no problem with the stoppage. I, I hope Coulter is 0-3 now in the UFC. I hope they find a way to keep him around again. I know, I'm biased. It's a Dallas guy, but come on, man. He went in there and threw down. You, 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 the, the crowd was on their feet, that's for sure. Uh, Anthony Smith. Scored a big win over Rashad Evans, 53-second knockout. Tough to watch, no question about it, big knockout. I mean, Anthony, uh, Anthony Smith is, is a tough dude, a big dude that, that was moving up from 185 to 205. Looks like he fits in the division there for sure. Called out Sam Alvey afterwards, which I think is makes a lot of sense. Um, Anthony Smith wants him on that Nebraska card, so maybe that'll happen. Anthony Smith uh, had his debut in there. But, you know, the real story here, I think, is Rashad Evans. Um, man, I talked to him earlier in the week, and he was in such a good state of mind, talking about just kind of enjoying himself, and and uh, you know, being passionate about what he's doing, and knows he has other options in his career in the future. Um, but did say that uh, that you know, he uh, he loves the sport and wants to fight. But fifty three seconds, big knockout. You know the knee, the knee the knee landed clean, and uh, that was all she wrote. So. Yeah, tough to watch. Um USC president Dana White did did talk to us afterwards again uh, during his lengthy scrum and uh, said that uh it does sound like maybe Rashad Evans is going to retire and he didn't commit to it. Um but figured you probably at least want to hear it so you can judge for yourself. I mean, as Dana even qualifies, hey, it's, you know, people are emotional on fight night, but um, it did sound an awful lot like uh like Rashad is ready to hang it up.
3: And uh, going back, I want to know about uh, Rashad Evans. Obviously, he had a devastating knockout loss. He has a great history in the company. Just what were yeah, your thoughts yeah. on, on his career and where he stands?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, w- when he lost, I had him come back to my room. And, uh, you know, we hung out and talked. And, uh, yes, yeah, it's sad. I, I, you know, the guys, <clears throat> Rashad was on season two of The Ultimate Fighter. You know, so he was around through the whole you know building of this company and 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 uh yeah we 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 all get old man and, and this is a young man sport and uh but he you know he if you look at what he he won the ultimate fighter he became a world champion he you know was with th- this team where he was like the guy and built all all these you know young up and coming fighters he's been in big huge fights. He's been on the ride with us the whole way, and he got to close it out in in his hometown of Chicago. So um, uh, not a bad run, you know?
0: Danny, just one brief follow-up for me. You said when you met with Rashad, you know, you talked about that, and then you said, hey, he got to wrap it up here in Chicago. Did he indicate to you that that this is it for
1: him? Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Again, I I don't want to stomp on his... You know, if he was going to retire or or whatever, I don't want to steal the thunder from him. Um, But, yeah, I I think that, you know, and and obviously after a fight like that, he's super emotional too. So, um, yeah, I hope he does.
0: All right, so leaving it a little bit open-ended there. You know, leaving the door open, I should say, maybe a little bit for Rashad Evans to make a different decision. But every indication from Dana White is that that's going to be it for Rashad. So, um, man – these guys we've been following for a long time, man. These guys that we that we saw come up in the sport as the sport was really starting to to you know rise to prominence are now hanging it up. So it's uh you know I guess this is what happens in the sport, but it's tough to see these guys walk away. Uh, a future UFC Hall of Famer, to say the least. Sergio Pettis picked up a split decision win over Joseph Benavidez. Uh, Sergio looked sharp, man. He really did. Takedown defense was there. Striking was good. Benavidez. Showed some pop, showed some power, but Sergio was really able to deal with it well. I was impressed with, you know, he would take the shots and, and, and just kind of continue to move forward. I mean, it didn't seem to bother him much, even though you could hear I mean, the, the sound it was making, you could tell it was landing clean. Uh, great takedown defense, again, like I said, from Sergio. Uh, I mean, just overall, I thought this was one of those performances. I mean, this was that type of performance against a top-level guy that you, that you knew Sergio has been, has been capable of for a long time. Um. Yeah, I I just I, I'm torn on this one too because, you know, did Sergio Pettis benefit from the long layoff of Joseph Benavides? I mean, yeah, there definitely looked to be some some timing issues early on. Um, I I did think you know Joseph Benavides fought well, uh, and he was heartbroken, man. So you know you got to think that you know he feels like after all this time away for the knee injury now to have a setback. I mean, Benavides is established in the division. I don't think he's going to drop a long way down the rankings, but I'm sure it's hard for him to be away from that long. And, I mean, mean, God, this was not a kind return to him. I mean, you can't give Joseph Benavides, you know, you can't go too far down the list. I mean, he's just too well accomplished in his career. Um, But this was a tough, tough ask to come back against Sergio Pettis, who, again, I mean, it was just – not that Sergio couldn't couldn't beat Joseph Benavides on any given night, but you know, man, you you look at a combination of a Sergio Pettis looking that sharp against a Joseph Benavides who I thought didn't look bad at all, but was also returning from that long layoff. Um, it's tough. So you know, Benavides as he walked out, it was clear that, that he was heartbroken. Meanwhile, Sergio um, gets a signature win and now says, "Hey, listen, I want the winner of that newly announced uh, DJ versus Cotto fight that's taking place in Los Angeles." in August. So we'll see whether or not that happens. Charles Oliveira stepped in on short notice, picked up a first round submission win over Clay Guida. Tough man. Clay was so pumped coming into this fight, fighting in Chicago. My god, his interest, his entrance was amazing. Uh kick hard my heart, jamming through the through the arena of Chicago's own. I mean, he's not a Chicago guy, but Illinois own and man, the the people are uh you know, throwing down, and and uh, it was it was gonna be a fight, you know. And, and Clay came out there, but Oliveira looked crisp on the feet, man. He really did. This is a submission win, which Charles Oliveira tied Hoist Gracie for the most submission wins in in company history with ten. Um, but you know, definitely not just a submission. I mean, he was he was tagging, uh, he was tagging Clay on the feet a little bit and forced kind of a I don't want to say a a, a a panic shot. But yeah, kind of. Uh I mean it was it was it was kind of a panic shot and Charles Oliveira lashed onto the neck and, and got the finish uh via the first round submission. So tough, man. tough to see that happen. Uh I, I-, I like Lee Guido a lot, man. The guy's been around, done everything. Um but but Charles Oliveira took advantage of him here. Then Egate started the night out. Uh fifty second win over Mike Santiago. Uh, Dan Ige, who uh, trains in Las Vegas, a Hawaiian-born fighter but trains in Las Vegas. So it was good to see him win. I, obviously, I, I end up running into him quite a lot when I, I take my son to go train at Extreme Couture. Uh, so, obviously, I'm kind of partial to, to seeing those guys. You know, you, you see him in the gym. You see the work they put in. And, and listen, it's the same for every fighter on the roster. And they all work their asses off. But when you get to see him firsthand, man, I think it means something to to, to, to watch them win. I know how much it meant to him. But the thing that, I, I, that that stood out to me about this Dan Ige fight that I wanted to point out is uh, I love the fact that, you know, he he he, he scores the, the, the big strikes and then he gets the fight to the ground. He wants the choke. He gets to the back. He gets the, 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 the you know, the body triangle in position. And, and, but the choke's not there. And instead of continuing to hunt for it, he just says, to hell with it, then I'm just going to strike away. I think sometimes, and, and I get it, there's a balance, right? You don't want to gas yourself out, especially early. I mean, we're talking about a minute into the fight. But I think sometimes fighters get into this position where they look for the choke. And, and, and I see it from the back and, and on top as well. You know, they try to grab the guillotine from the top, they try to grab, um, you know, the, the rear naked choke from the back. And, and, you know, while you're not able to get it, you're giving that guy time to recover. And I think when you've got somebody stunned and you're on top of them, finish them. Go finish them, you know, and if the, if the choke isn't there quick and it's not there easy, hell with it. Just go for the strikes, and uh, that's why I was impressed with Danny. He wanted the uh, he wanted the, the choke, but it wasn't there, and he's just like, hell with it. I'm going for the strikes. so uh, I can respect that, and I think that's a good example for, for other people. Um, so USC 225, big, big event, and I think it ended up being very entertaining. Some controversy, some fun. Um So I want to touch on this weight cutting thing. You know, we talked about it a little bit uh, earlier in the week, but, uh, you know, it continued tonight. Uh, A couple of the journalists that were in the back ended up asking every single fighter about it, and every single one of them when asked if they want the early weigh-ins or the late weigh-ins says, I want the early ones. Uh, Dana White comes in and says, no, you know, that's not what we're doing. We're going to 4 o'clock, and and that's, you know, that's all there is to it. Sorry, you know, we've talked to people, and, you know, I've talked to more people than you have, and, yeah, every – I'm t- man, I got to say, I, I, you know, I just I just think Dane is wrong here. I, I think Dane is making a mistake, and I understand why. As the promoter and the president of the UFC, he's losing fights to weigh-ins. And, and I understand, man, you're talking about millions of dollars. This is not a joke. This is not, you know, keyboard warriors sitting around or us talking on forums or comments. I mean, this is millions of dollars, you know. And, yes, Dana already has plenty of money. But you're talking about a lot of other people involved in this company that don't have a lot of money, right? That, that, that this thing needs to keep going and, and needs to keep going for generations. And not only that, I mean, he, you know, Dana loves this sport, man. He really does. Like, he's passionate about it. He wants to see this thing go. But I think he's making a mistake here. And um, I hope there's more discussion to be had about it. You know, uh, he, you know, he kind of blew off people at night. But that's, you know, you know, you're back dating into a corner, man. He's gonna come out and be aggressive. That's the way he always is. And um I hope there's more discussion to be had here. You know, it's it's a it's a prime example of of, of fighters needing to have a unified voice. You know, because everything I've seen on social media is is like, hey, can we please keep the early weigh-ins? Can we please keep the early weigh-ins? You know, can we? If not, can we at least talk about it? So I think there needs to be balance and and and. Holly Holm nailed it tonight. You know, if you go back and watch her post fight press comments, she's asked about it. And she says, Listen, can't we just move it later, like 11 or 12? And I think that's it. Because we talk again, fighters don't want to wake up early. They don't. It's hard to get up at four in the morning and start cutting. You know what I mean? It just really is. So move it back a little bit. Make it 11 or 12. Again, still hit that two hour window. Again, the biggest thing about this is, you know, I, I don't think you need to have the fighters on wait for hours, and that's what happens with the old 4 o'clock weigh-ins, the 4 o'clock weigh-ins at the arena. Now, if you're telling me you want to do 4, but you don't want to do ceremonial weigh-ins at arenas anymore, well, that may be a possibility. Maybe the fighters do weigh in from 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock or whatever. It's still less time to rehydrate, but at least they're dehydrated for less time. I, I mean, listen, I, we got into this discussion before, and, and, and I'll continue to have it, but all I really want to say right now, I just I, I hope that Dana will listen, you know, to, to what's going on out there, because I understand what his concern is. Completely understand what his concern is, and some changes probably do need to be made. Um, but I don't think this is the way to do it. I think going back to the way it was isn't isn't wise. Um, and I guess I'll just leave it at that for now. I mean, we're we're trying to talk about UFC 225 and. I'm telling you right now, this weight-cutting discussion isn't going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. It's going to be a big topic of discussion. And and from it is going to be continued talk about unionization of fighters. And it's going to be a big topic about when these weigh-ins are done. So I'm interested to see what happens. And let's not forget, the athletic commissions have something to say here too. Now, listen, the athletic commissions want to work with the UFC, right? I mean, they, they want that money that the UFC provides for... Uh, when, when, when the UFC comes to town, so they're going to work with them. I don't think they're going to dig their, dig their heels in and say, no, you know, we're not going to do that. Maybe Andy Foster might out in California. He's pretty committed to this, uh, you know, weight cutting reform type thing. But, um, I, you know, I just think this idea that, you know, that Dana says he's talked to every, you know, more fighters than we have. And, 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 and that could absolutely be true. Obviously, he has direct contact to anybody in the roster he wants at any time that he wants. So maybe it is true. But all I'm saying is, from what I've heard firsthand, on record and off record, and from what I've seen on social media, the exact opposite seems to be true. Um, And, and, you know, if that's the case, then I think more discussion needs to be had about it other than, like, let's just flip the switch now. Uh, One last little note. Kelvin Gastelum was a guest fighter in the building tonight. And uh, Dana White actually revealed that Kelvin was supposed to be a, uh, a backup fighter, basically, for Whitaker and Romero. If something went wrong, which did, that Kelvin Gastelum could come in. You know, they, they, they like to do that sometimes. They don't publicize it very much, but they'll they'll have a fighter on standby. They'll pay him, and they'll say, hey, listen, keep yourself in shape. Train. Make sure you can cut weight. Make sure you're good to go. And uh, maybe a fight. If not, we'll still pay you a little bit of money. If you fight, you make even more money. And Kelvin apparently had to turn that opportunity down um, because of, of what Dana just referred to as personal problems. Uh, I reached out to to, to Kelvin's manager. Kelvin's uh, manager didn't respond to me. I understand he had a lot of stuff going on. Ali Abdelaziz is a busy, busy man uh, that had a lot of stuff going on. And it was pretty late at night when I reached out to him. So maybe we'll hear more. Um, but just found that to be an interesting footnote. We will have an interview with Kelvin Gaslam. He was, again, a guest fighter didn't mention anything about it. I asked Cole Coffee. I was like, did anything like that come up? He said, no, didn't mention anything about it. So, um, just another interesting footnote there. So, alright, listen. Uh, Yeah. UFC 225 was fun. A lot going on next week. Dana White's Contender Series returns on uh, Tuesday night. We'll definitely have that covered. And then guess what? I'm actually going to take a couple days of vacation. It's a non- UFC, non-Bellator week. So, even though we have that Contender Series event, which I think will be fun. Um, then the weekend is uh, is just CES MMA on Access TV and Cage Warriors on Fight Pass. So you still got some MMA, but not the not the highest level of MMA. More the uh, the regional promotions, which you know we'll still cover on MMA Junkie. But I'm gonna take a few days vacation. I'm actually gonna watch um, spend a couple days watching the World Cup, which I'm excited about, even though the United States didn't make it. Uh, Thursday, don't forget on Thursday, Conor McGregor has his court date in Brooklyn. So we'll have some news from there. We won't be there personally, but I do know that USA Today is going to have some videographers and reporters there. It's a big enough story that they didn't even need sports. Uh, you know, they didn't. They didn't need the specialists here at MMA Junkie. Uh, they're they're using the the national news desk to go cover those dates in in uh, that court date in Brooklyn. So uh, some news there. And uh, listen, it, it sounds like you know. I mean, we said all along he's probably going to get probation, but. Uh, Dana mentioned a couple times tonight, you know, again, that he sees Habib and Connor as the next fight. So uh, if you want to see that full scrum, I know we had a lot of it here, but the, it was much longer. If you want to see everything with Dana, that is, on YouTube. Anyway, listen, it's, uh, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning. Got to head to the airport here shortly. My man, Cold Coffee, is going to be finishing up his little sleep session, and I'm going to have him uh, help me get this belt. I'm learning. I'm learning. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure everything out. I'm having a cold coffee show me the uh the technical side of things so that even when he's not available uh I can stay more consistent with these uh and a half episodes cuz I like to bring them to you and uh uh let's be honest I just like talking to him <laughs> Anyway uh yeah sorry it was just me lonesome but uh back next week on Thursday Cold Coffee will be with me I'll actually be on vacation But we'll still do it because that's what we do every damn week since we started. Haven't missed one yet and not going to. So you know what? Thanks for listening. (laughs) that <laughs>